There is no us versus them. There's only us. So many times we can get caught up looking at other people as outsiders, as something separate. But in reality, we're all made in the same image. This week, we're talking about identifying an us versus them mindset in ourselves, identifying it in our culture, and most importantly, how to overcome it. One of the biggest things that would help us to grow in love is being able to come together in unity. Law tries to separate us. It says that people are different, people are broken, and they're outsiders. But love came to unify the gap and to let us all come together. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 101. And today we are talking about something that has been brought up a lot in our circle lately. And it is basically the idea of there is no them. There is only us. And uh, we'll kind of talk a little bit about why we are talking about this in just a moment. But first... Welcome to the first official episode of the 100s. We did our recap Triple episode. Digits. And so this is the first official. This is 101. Guys, we are in it. And uh, just a couple of quick things. If you haven't done so so far, go down there and click that link and ask to become a part of Nomads. Nomads is going to be a huge uh, focus of ours as we move forward into the next 100 episodes. So be sure to go down there, ask to be a part, and get in on these conversations that is our favorite part of all of this is having these conversations behind the scenes also if you haven't done so so far go down there and leave an honest review that helps all passer buyers is that the right way to say that passer buyers sure, sure. uh <laughs> know what this show is about and it just gives them one extra thing to know that they can come in confidently and uh it definitely helps people feel a little more comfortable. So we appreciate everyone who takes the time to go and review. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We're glad to have you here. And for all of our returning ears, thank you so much for spending this time with us. So do we have anything else to go over or can we get right to it? I think we can get right into it. All right, let's do this. So we decided to go to church last week. And uh, last Sunday we decided, no, like, I guess whenever this is coming out, it's not this like day before this comes out, but the, the week two before ago, that. Basically. So two Sundays ago, we decided to go to a church. Uh, you guys know we enjoy being nomadic, and so we do still enjoy like going to church from time to time. Sometimes I feel like we learn something, or maybe not learn something, but sometimes I feel like it, it helps us being around uh, people who are at least somewhat like-minded. And then other times it reminds me why we do what we do here on the show. This was one of those moments when we showed up because it was uh, a gentleman teaching, if you want to call it that, that I really just don't like. It's really sad because the head pastor of this church actually thoroughly enjoy his teaching. I don't always agree with everything he says, but I do actually enjoy his teaching. But their um, youth pastor was teaching. I've probably talked about it on the show before. I can't stand when he preaches or teaches or whatever you want to call it. 
which I should say, we have never had a conversation with this man. So he could be a great person. Just to clarify, we don't actually like know this person, but we've seen him teach about that was the third time. Mm-hmm. And every time you're we like, okay, no. Yes. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> because he teaches from a place of fear. And I actively heard him talking about how it was us versus them, basically uh, in those words. I mean, Which it was every very. Time he, pre- he has preached that we have seen talks about that too. Yes. So that's not a new concept. It's just, it was very, it very, um, it stuck out to us. Yes. And uh, it's, it's very frustrating because he's using the whole verses like, oh, go and run your race under the Lord and all that, which, okay, that's fine. Like, we know that verse. We've heard that verse taught a million different times in a dozen different ways. But the thing that was kind of frustrating about it is he was like, oh, just focus on the end. Just focus on the end. All that matters is getting to heaven. And that was kind of like the recurring theme. And I'm like, man, if you're living a life of just trying to get to heaven, like you're robbing yourself. Like, why did Jesus come to earth and show us how to live you know, if if heaven and earth are right here, you know, heaven is is right here. If Jesus was coming to show heaven on earth, why are we so focused with that? I mean, that's a common thing. But. Well, in the scripture that he was basing it off of was, I believe it's in Romans, where it says to not be conformed of the world, but to be renewed by your mind. Yeah, well, it says, yeah, not to be conformed to the spirit of this world, but be re- renewed by the transforming of yeah. your mind, which uh, we did an episode with Todd Vick a while back on his take on the that. The latter which, half of the verse. Yes, and I, I love that. His whole book is called The Renewing of Your Mind. And I, I love Todd's, that whole conversation. Like, it was, it was a great conversation on, like, a more accurate, in my opinion, a more accurate rendition of that. But this guy, of course, is taking it to be like the same old, same old churchy type way. We're not supposed to be of the world type of stuff. And um, uh, I'm going to go through here. I had a couple notes that I actually pulled from this church service. Is it sad or bad that we take notes on the things that we disagree with whenever we go to a church service? We're like, hmm, no. Yeah, and so uh, he was reading a verse, the First Corinthians 9 verse, talking about like run the race or whatever, and how like basically he was talking about his experience, um, how he went to a public college, and there were so many bad influences, but he found a Christian bubble he could hang out in, and that was okay, but then when he went to like a workplace environment, they were just uh, cussing and swearing, and like it tried to pull from his witness, which that's one of the, the key words that like Elaine and I were talking about. I was like, what does it mean to like to take from your witness. I don't, I don't don't understand that terminology. Like I've used it. Like I I understand it, but like, I don't get how hanging around someone is going to pull from your witness. And then the whole point of his message was like, not to be conformed. And let's, let's kind of take this for a second. In some way, there is a bit of truth to that, right? Like you aren't supposed to go out and let anyone conform you. You're supposed to be confident in who you are, who you are in Christ, who God has made you to be. There is a level of confidence there. And no, if you let anyone out there conform you, there's no telling who you would end up being. You do have to have a moral ground and you have to draw the line and say, this is where my line is at. And I'm not going to allow outside influences to push me in the wrong direction. You have to know who you can be around if certain situations out there like put you in the wrong frame of mind. Like you have to know all these things, but you also don't have to be scared of these things. And that's different for different people. Uh, I can go to a cl- local club, and I don't even drink, mind you, but uh, because of like the stuff that happened with my mom and everything. But I can go to a club and watch a local band, and it doesn't influence my mind to want to go out and, you know, get wasted like some of the people that are sitting at the club. 
for other people, that's just different. That's a different scenario. Going there is a trigger for them. Uh, for me, there are certain other triggers I have to deal with that aren't triggers for other people. That's personal conviction, right? But I, being that I am, I, I'm, I consider myself a mature Christian, right? I'm not a baby Christian, which we're going to talk about that in a second too. I use air quotes there. Uh, I know what triggers me and what doesn't trigger me, and I know what I can be around and what I can't be around. I also know that it's not wise to divide yourself away from anyone. For one, everyone to me has God. Everyone is um, a representation of Christ. He's in there waiting to be let out, waiting to be loose to do amazing things in their lives, uh, even those who don't know it yet. And to look at someone else as less than or who is like absent or different, I just I don't think that's healthy. And I can kind of, I thought it was really funny because I was just reading back because he was reading in 1 Corinthians, the whole, you know, run the race of Christ, whatever, fiasco, Bible verse. And I was like, I just started scrolling up and I was reading the context of the Bible verse. And I thought it was interesting because 1 Corinthians 9, 20, 20, uh, 20 through 23 says this, Paul, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law. Though I might, or that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. So, this uh, entire sermon was about how to segregate yourself off and not to be like anyone else. And here Paul is saying is like, I literally try to identify with everyone and I try to put myself in their shoes and become as them. Now, does that mean that Paul is like going out and, you know, like committing the same acts that like he's already grown and like understands right from wrong? And no, like he even says, like, I'm not outside the law of Christ, but I I become as one outside of the law of Christ. He was literally saying, like, be conformed, not conformed mentally, but be conformed or allow yourself to conform so you may understand one another's perspective. That doesn't mean to compromise, but it means allow yourself to be put in that position so you can understand people and spread the message of the the Bible itself of, you know, the good news, which is love. Jesus is love. Which also brings into account things like the Enneagram and different love languages and understanding what speaks to different people, showing them love. The ultimate message is love, but people receive that differently. Some people receive that in gifts. Some people receive that in affirmations. Some people receive that in physical touch. And like I said, the main message is love. And so, yes, there are instances where you need to use that same language to convey that message to somebody else. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden that's the only way you receive it or that you automatically change your love language. It just means that you are humble enough to be able to get in the position where somebody else is. You are able to step in their shoes and show them love with their understand their level of understanding. And so a big thing that I really wanted to focus on on this episode as we kind of we've talked about what what brought on this episode and now a couple things that are just practical. I really want to focus on this mentality because I feel like this is a mentality that is uh, pushed on us. It has been sown literally, you know, the whole repo you sow. it has been sown in like bad seed into our brains of like, oh, us versus them. 
They are the outsiders. We are here. We've talked about this before, but I really want to talk about practicalities on how to get out of this. For one, how to identify this mindset and then how to get out of this mindset. So, Elaine, let's just discuss real quick a couple of things that we can look for in us, feelings, emotions, ideas, thoughts, whatever that is, that says, oh, wait, I have uh, this bad seed that I've got to pull out of the us versus them mentality. I think a big one, just kind of out of the gate, is snap judgments of people based on first impressions, based on um, the way they talk, based on little things like that. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. People put on fronts a lot of times. It's a it is a self-preservation tactic to put up a front uh, to kind of portray yourself as something that not necessarily you aren't, but like not 100% accurate. It's kind of like the whole thing of like peeling back the onion, right? Sometimes you have to get through 30 minutes of crappy dialogue to get to like the real heart of the root. But once you start engaging in that, that's when you can find like the core of someone and getting that authentic conversation. And I know for me, that's a big one. I've talked about it before with like, Really, our whole like the whole thing we did is the Bible inspired. I talked about that as like, am I using my Bible or a gun? Like, what am I judging people through the eyes of through judgment or love? And I think that's one of the big things that I have to watch for, and maybe you do too. Uh, on the other end of this of this dialogue of this conversation, is whenever you see someone, what about them is the first thing you notice? And if it's not, and I'm going to be straight up honest, it's I'm still working on this. I mean, obviously, I think all of us are to some degree. But if the first thing you notice about them is not their divinity, then we have a ways to go. Well, and to also recognize that not one person is better than the other person, even if you're a Christian, no matter what political values that you hold, no matter what religious values you hold, whatever, you're not higher above anybody else. We are all equal. We are all the same. God is in all of us. And just humbling yourself to realize that because either you're a Christian and this person isn't, or you've been a Christian longer, therefore you're, quote, more mature in your spiritual faith than the other person, regardless of that, that titles don't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. We are all God's children. We should all interact with each other as much, even if we don't have the same beliefs or ideas or thoughts or opinions, and just recognizing that it's not us versus them, but it's just us. There, there isn't them. There's only us. Well, and I think a good analogy to that would be there is no unworthy vessel, mm-hmm. right? There is no unworthy vessel of God's love, of God's goodness, of God's compassion, of the love of Christ, We are all worthy no matter what sins we have committed. Like that's biblical. That's Jesus's entire message. But it's so easy for us to look at someone else as, oh, well, they have committed X, Y, and Z. They have done this. They have done that. Even if it's more intimate, like they said this about me, they have done this toward me, their attitude was this at me, that doesn't make them a less worthy vessel. And of course, we always need to preface this here. Like there are situations where it is unsafe for you to be involved with that person. This isn't saying that, but what it is saying is like every person is worthy of God's love. And that's a hard thing to swallow. And that reminds me of what uh, Jason Elam said in episode 99, where it's, you know, if you found out everyone was going to heaven, would you be uh, happy or would it make you angry? And that just, that shook me. Like, I think uh, we randomly bumped into my dad at Panera one day and he was even talking about it. He's like, man, that was like such a, like that got me. It's just a powerful statement. I think anyone who hears that, it makes them stop and think, right? 
And so just kind of taking this all back, one of the first things to pay attention to is, well, how does my mind perceive that person? Is there a certain type of clothing that triggers you to make you think that that person is a certain type of person? Is it a certain manner of speaking, a certain dialect, a certain skin color, a certain hairstyle, a certain uh, way someone carries themselves? There are many different triggers, some obvious, some a whole lot less obvious. Is it something that they do that's so minute but it reminds you of someone else who hurt you and you associate the two. There are all these little triggers that make us divide lines. And I'm not even talking just churchy lines. Okay, we know that religion kind of likes the whole us versus them thing because let's be honest, war feeds the cogs, right? We have to have something to be at war at. Uh, not literally, but figuratively. like Sometimes literally. Yes, but uh, that's like what drives the economy, and that's the same thing with what drives our faith economy. That's not good. It's not Christ-like, but it is the sad truth of like there has to be an enemy. And a lot of times people just aren't willing to take responsibility for themselves and realize the enemy most of the time is your own crappy thinking, and that's biblical. You know, whenever uh, Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, because Peter is not willing to accept what Christ is. Right, he's in a bad mindset. Literally, Satan is often referring to a mindset. And so, like, a lot of times we're taking on a uh, satanic mindset when we're taking these judgments out of character of God's creation. And uh, those are just some of the little triggers. What are some other triggers uh, that just kind of lead to an us versus them mentality? Elaine, what do you think? There can even be an us versus them mentality when it comes to specific Christians in like in the faith of Christianity and the religion of Christianity. Well, they worship that way, so obviously they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Or they believe this about God, or they're more free in this, or they're more secluded in this, or they have a conviction of this. And sometimes it's our own, quote, fellow people. I mean, I believe that we are all each other's brothers and sisters. But specifically speaking in the Christian faith, we can be so dogmatic and hateful towards each other. And to recognize that we all at some point have a negative mindset. We are all living in a fear mindset at some point in our lives. And to recognize that a lot of times whenever we have those triggers, we're triggered by ourselves. We're triggered by our own negative thinking, like you were saying. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of like psychologists speak this, is whenever you hate something about somebody else, whenever you project a hatred or a prejudice or a bias on somebody else, you actually have that deep within you mm -hmm. and you want to push that away. You don't want the focus on you. You want the focus on somebody else. Sure. It's kind of like, and we see this in church a whole lot. Uh, as well as many public figures, what someone is so actively preaching against, or if you see like this recurring theme of like, how dare you look at porn? How dare you look at porn? And, like this is aggressive mentality of that, or, you know, how dare you uh, question God? How dare you question God? They're probably questioning God like nonstop because we have this, uh, this tendency to project, like you said, Elaine, our, deepest insecurities or flaws or struggles. I'm not even gonna say flaws. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and claim their flaws. I, I don't think, I think it's the wrong word. I think struggles or even like areas in which we are trying to grow, we project that outwardly and push and like, like you said, push that away specifically because we feel like if we do that, it will help give us some kind of strength 
to uh, leverage. Right. I mean, it's kind of like the whole idea of like, oh, well, if I'm not going to eat cookies, I'm, like I don't need to eat cookies because I'm trying to lose weight or I'm trying to, you know, gain muscle or whatever, whatever it is. You know, I'm not dogging on cookies. I like cookies. But if you, oh, I'm just going to put them in the cookie jar and put them high up somewhere away in the cabinet. Well, now you're thinking about them all the time because you're pushing it further and further away. I had a very dear friend uh, talk to me one time about his past struggle with alcohol. And he said that like God legitimately delivered me from alcohol. And he said, if you have been delivered from alcohol, why are you scared of it? And I thought it was an interesting perspective. And I was like, so do you have to distance? And of course, this was, I was talking to him about my mother and everything. And he's been a mentor to me at, at a, a few different times in life. And he and I are just very good friends. And I was asking him, like, so, like, can you be around it? Like, how does that work? And I was, uh, this was, I guess I was probably like 21, 22 when we were having this conversation. This has been about four years back. And he said, I've had a drink since then. He's like, I don't drink, but I intentionally picked up um, a glass. I want to say he said like a glass of wine or something like that and had a sip just to tell my sips to prove that it didn't control me anymore. He said, I took one sip. I poured the rest out and I walked away. And he's like, I can be around people drinking. and It doesn't phase me. Why? Because I've grown past that. And I think that's like a beautiful place of maturity to say, you know what? Like whenever God is dealing with something, you can push it away, push it away, push it away. And I'm not saying like, oh, if you're struggling with like infidelity, you need to keep a bunch of people around who are prone to infidelity. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like the more you try to fight to keep something away, the more barriers you put up for yourself, the more it's almost like competitive to see if you can't figure out a way over that. And that kind of comes with people too. Like you can push people away. My friend uh, could have pushed people away who drank. I could have pushed people away who drank. And I did at one point in my life. But you know, I was like, you know what? That's not what controls me. Not everyone is that to me. And I had to get over the addiction of hatred just as he had to get over the addiction of alcohol. And now being free from that, it's no longer a stumbling block for us. And that kind of comes back to that of like, you can take your own issues and project them on someone else. And that creates the us versus them as well. I think that's what the church does a whole lot is we say, oh, these people out here, they're distant. They don't have God. We want more God. So we have to divide ourselves away from them because how else are we going to be more like God? Well, actually, in reality, if you want to be more like God, you have to get outside of that just like Jesus did and get in those groups of people just like Paul did, just like Peter did. You have to get outside of your bubble and get involved with those people because you draw them close. And not only are you drawing closer to God, but you're projecting that closeness of you and God, you're projecting God out from you on to other people and showing them the true capability that they have as well. So how do we flip that? How, how do we get rid of those biases and prejudices and all of that sort of, how do we start viewing people as just us? I think personally, one of the biggest things is just admitting it. If you have someone you have a problem with based on specifically your just your biases i don't think that there's anything wrong with going to that person and admitting it and i'm not saying that every situation calls for that i understand that there's scenarios with that but if i have an issue with someone uh based on their action or their behavior which mind you like speaking specifically of a behavior that's not necessarily deemed as bad i'm not talking about like there are certain behaviors right not unethical but because of my own biases, if I go to them and I'm just like, hey, 
I need to be really honest with you. This is something I am struggling with and I'm trying to get through it. And that's hard and it's humble, but I think that's what it's about is being humble. If you have an issue, the church, if it wants to get through its biases, it should surround itself with people. More people like that. Yes, people who are not as ingrained in their culture uh, because they're, we're all the same. We're all humans. We're all in this. We all have that spark of divinity created in the image of God. And so I think that's a big thing is just getting through those biases by facing your biases. You have to realize that like, while yes, there are times where you may have to distance yourself from certain things to get through a certain addiction, certain trauma, certain like things like that. If you allow those traumas, and this is something, guys, I'm going to be really straight here. Those of us who have church hurt, this is hard. I'm going to kind of bring it bring it home for a second. If you're so scared of a church that you're not willing to face someone who's been in one, or you're not willing to talk to someone and meet them where they are at, then you have just as much baggage as they do. And I'm not telling you you're not allowed to heal. Like you are allowed to heal. You're allowed to not go back to a church. You're allowed to do those things. But if someone needs church and that's giving them life, then it's not our place to judge them on that. It's not our place to say, hey, you're not, you know, you're not doing the like, oh, well, you have these certain beliefs or whatever. Like, I understand that you may be through that, but they may need that right now. There was a time that I needed church in my life. There was a time whenever I needed some of those teachings that I look at now and I'm just like, wow, that was garbage. That is crappy teaching. And that kind of goes to the whole baby Christian thing that we were just talking about. And Elaine, I'll let you share what you had shared with me, which was profound. Yeah, so he was the pastor at this church was talking about uh, the scripture about the spiritual milk um, and for quote baby Christians and um, what that entails having the spiritual meat actually following Christ what that looks like as you mature in your faith but in the realm of not being conformed with the world right and, like if you want to be an adult Christian get out of the world and get plugged into your church was his mentality on it yeah and the thing that stuck out to me was what if spiritual milk is more law? You become a Christian and you realize, okay, oh, there's these Ten Commandments. You need to love your neighbor and not be envious or not do these things and everything. But the actual core, the spiritual meat is like, okay, why do we not kill people? Well, because we love them. And then just understanding that The core of Christ, the core of being a Christian is to love and love God, love other people, love ourselves, being communities with people and allowing people to sit at our table and and not having those prejudices and, and biases and everything. And the spiritual milk is more of like, okay, this is how you love somebody. This is how you don't love somebody. But the actual core is, okay, why do we not do those things? love is the ultimate message well and that's kind of like the way you had wrote it down was uh spiritual milk is law spiritual meat is love yeah and that's the whole message of jesus like i came to fulfill the law like love incarnate right comes to fulfill the law if you want to have uh the deep i guess relationship with christ it's like okay there's a time when you're healing where you need laws i need to set this boundary i need to do this i need to do this And then there's the overcoming of it that, okay, now I have to remove these boundaries in love. Uh, And some of those boundaries may have to stay. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like, uh, if a boundary for you is like never walking to a church again, that's fine. But at the same time, 
you could also have a boundary up that's like, okay, I can't talk to people from church right now because they trigger me. And that one is going to have to come down because that's keeping you between people. I also feel like if you say, oh, I've been healed. I never have to go to church again. I've already been through this deconstruction phase. Church just isn't for me. But then you dog on people who are in church especially a good church and it's working for them, then you're not actually healed. What's the other side of fundamentalism, right? You're now on fundamentalism for uh, for like, I guess like freedom or whatever it is. You're just, you're just, you're still a fundamentalism just in your new beliefs, right? Regardless of whatever side you on, whether you are fully ingrained in a church and you lead in a church or you're not in a church, whatever side you are on in the middle, regardless is just understanding that everyone has their personal relationship with God And what that looks like for somebody else may look different to you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. Right. Correct. I love that. And then kind of just to kind of wrap this together a little bit more, some of the other things that I think are so uh, pertinent to this conversation are just how we can uh, just kind of go back to like how we can overcome these biases. I think that whenever you surround yourself with people, whenever you allow God to, to do something in that, to get you through that, And then the other thing, just kind of tying it back into how to identify, when you start changing your mindset, and this is something I'm working on a whole lot right now, is I'm no longer going to look at someone else as like, that person did X to me. Instead, it's like that person, God desires for this person to be that. God desires for me to be this. It's not trying to get away from the negatives. When you can shift from the negative to the positive, that really helps bring down those us versus them uh, stigmas. I mean, think about it. Oh, Muslims are bad because terrorism shift that mindset of like Muslims are passionate and I'm not talking about terrorists here. Okay. Like I'm not dismissing terrorism. Like I know how some people would take that. What I'm saying is like Christians have been terrorists too. Like most religions have terrorists. There's plenty of terrorists, Buddhists, Perry. Like as long as there's humanity, there's going to be anger, war, terror, like, yeah, there's going to be regardless of the background, culture, religion, politics, whatever, like you're going to have that. But instead of like pigeonholing groups of people, ethnicities, whatever it may be of like, this person is this look at it and say like, well, what does God see them as? What does God see them as? Because he sees them past that. He sees past that into the core of who they are. And that's like taking on the lens of God. I'm not saying it's easy, but when you can shift away from the negative views of someone even more casual things like, oh man, this person, bless their heart, they're really just wrapped up in this sin. No, view them as like, man, I have a heart. I am praying blessing over their heart, literally, not just like in this passive aggressive comment that we use here in the South, right? Like I'm literally praying blessing over them because I truly know that God has so much for them and I want them to operate in that freedom too. And when you start just those little shifts of like, man, they're just, instead of just going, man, they're just wrapped up in this sin. They're just, you know, they got that. You're speaking that over them. You're speaking that bondage over them. But you change that. It's like, man, God has like radical plans for their freedom. That's just, that's it's, it's a mindset shift that releases God in a whole different way. And this actually kind of ties into another topic that Elaine and I are going to be touching on really soon. So if you haven't subscribed yet, go and do that because we're about to, uh, talk about another topic in the next few episodes, uh, or I guess our next solo episode, where we're going to be talking about why does God lay it on your heart to pray for other people? And this is like something that she and I have been kind of having dialogue back and forth about, and that's something we're going to be discussing that kind of ties back into this. So why does God 
put it on our hearts for other people? Why does God put other people on our hearts? And so guys, let us know what you think. Let us know uh, what are some things, what are your tips? How we can better love those around us. Yes, and to bring down that us versus them mentality. What have you seen beneficial to just view people as us versus us versus them? That was a weird way of saying that, but you got what I'm saying. Guys, go and find us at Nomads. Go to there, click that link, and ask to be a part. Also, screenshot this episode as you're listening on whatever player. Share it on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, TikTok, I don't know, wherever you're at, and tag us in it, and we will be sure to give you a shout out. So go and do that. We would greatly appreciate it, and it helps us get the word out about this show. Guys, we love every single one of you, and as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll We'll talk. talk soon.